Good morning, everybody. And welcome again to St Mark's. For those who are new, it's uh, good to be with you as well. And my name's Andrew. I'm the Senior Minister. And we're going to be talking about the psalm that uh, Alan has just read for us. As um, Miriam mentioned, in the coming week, we're going to be starting the season of Advent. Now, Advent sometimes feels to me like the kind of poor cousin of Christmas um, in terms of our church calendar, and that's for obvious reasons, all the things that we like to do around Christmas. Um, But in many ways, uh, without Advent, Christmas doesn't really make sense. Um, Advent, the word, means arrival or coming. And it's the time when traditionally we remember and reflect on the coming of Jesus into the world, both in the lead up to his birth, his first coming, and then the second coming in his return. So Advent is a season, it's about the arrival or the coming of God's kingdom into our world. And it's both something that happened in the past, something that's going to happen in the future, and something that's happening right now. So as we enter into Advent, we're going to start this series looking at some of the Psalms that I believe help us to understand the meaning and the feeling of this particular season. And this morning, as we begin, I'd like to take you um, back, I'd like to start my sermon by taking you back to some childhood experiences uh, that many people here might have shared, particularly uh, what it can be like uh, to travel through the nighttime as a child. And that can be a very long and difficult journey sometimes. Uh, I was an imaginative child, and I remember that during the darkness of the night, uh, the bedroom um, and the house can sometimes be a scary place, can't it? Uh, For a long time, you you might know, there were wolves living under my bed. Don't know how they got there, but they were there. And if I got up uh, to get uh, during the night, they would try to get me, so I had to jump off the bed to uh, miss them and jump back on afterwards, you know, to avoid them. You know, and there were strange shapes and figures in the dark that become the faces of monsters and bad dreams would come. Um, And one night I had a bad dream and I turned uh, and I picked up the Bible that was beside my bed and I was hoping God would make me feel better about that. And so I turned, I uh, somehow turned to these words of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And with that, I went back to sleep. Now, this psalm of David, Psalm 27, is one of the psalms that have been called the Psalms of Reorientation. And these are some of the psalms that were written to help uh, God's people find a new sense of hope, purpose and and direction um, on the other side of uh, difficult times that they've been through. And there are many other types of psalms as well. Some are what we call psalms of disorientation, which is when they sing about what it's like to lose our sense of God's presence and purpose in our lives. And those psalms lament these losses and failures. But the psalms of reorientation are ones where they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And these are the psalms that we're looking at during Advent, and these psalms encourage us to sing a new song, to change our mind and to hope for the better and what God's going to do and to hope for the coming of God into our world. And so uh, Psalm 27, I think, speaks to the questions of how do we reorient ourselves with God as we go through difficult times? The times that might be in our life, kind of like the night time, you know, the the time of bad dreams, monsters and wolves under the bed, and when it seems that things are pretty hopeless. Um, And this song is about the process of reorienting ourselves away from the darkness that's outside us, perhaps, or inside us, and instead turning towards the light of God that is inside us or around us. 
And the background story you might have picked up as you read this psalm of King David is, uh, well, the writer of the psalm who's adopting David's perspective, um, is that he's looking at around the en- at the enemies who are surrounding him. So the armies of other nations and also his own political enemies at home who are wanting to backstab him during this time. And these constant attacks that are coming towards him threaten to take away his confidence in God and to instill fear and anxiety in him. And so what he says is he finds he needs a time, a positive message and reorientation to stay centred throughout that time. And so he writes a song for himself and for other people about that. And so what does he sing about here? Well, I think the heart of this psalm is in verses 4 to 5, where David speaks about his desire to retreat into his sanctuary, his refuge and stronghold, which is the temple of the Lord, this place of prayer and worship. So he says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling and he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. So why does he imagine doing this and what does it mean to him? So I'd like us to think a bit more about this idea of refuge and what it tells us. So a refuge is of course a place where we seek safety and protection inside a refuge is a place where we can rest and recover from the trials of life. So we know refugees or asylum seekers are people who are looking for a safe place to live and one that's safer than the place that they've come from. Now there are different kinds of refuges in the world depending on what kind of refugee that we are. So there are physical refuges like a fortress or a walled city that are designed to protect us and keep us safe against military attacks, keep us alive. Um, you know, in the dark night time also, we can find refuge, physical refuge under the bedclothes, you know, where we're warm and safe and the monsters can't get you. Um, but there can also be what we might call emotional refuges. So for many of us, our home is a refuge where we're safe to be ourselves, to recover from life's battles and to rest. And relationships can be a refuge as well. The other person protects us and comforts us when we're with them. And so King David, as he writes Psalm 27, he sees the tabernacle or the temple of the Lord as a refuge. Not just a place to worship, but a refuge. Inside this place, his enemies can't come or bother him. He is alone. He is safe with God. And this is a common idea about places of worship, which can be given the name or the label sanctuaries. Um, A sanctuary means a holy place set apart for special religious uses, but it also came to mean a place where you could go and be safe from violence. Um, In the Old Testament times, there was a law that if you were being chased by people who wanted to kill you because of some crime or uh, bad thing that you'd done, um, you could come to the tabernacle and be safe and they couldn't touch you there. Uh, and the same has often been true for churches during various areas of, eras of Christian history, as places where if you came, you could not be touched, you could not be arrested. Um, the idea is that as you approach the presence of God, uh, you enter a place of stillness and peace, safety and healing. And so when David feels under threat, he retreats into his refuge, his place of worship and closeness to God. And when he's inside this place, He turns away from looking out and viewing his enemies and his troubles and he reorients himself towards seeking the presence of God. As he says in verses 7 to 8, 
Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. So this psalm is designed to bring us into the depths of that experience of seeking refuge in God. And I think that when we see what it means for David to do this, we can see that the real refuge he's seeking is, of course, not the physical space in the temple. It's not just a quiet and still place he can go. What we see, I think, is that within David and within all of God's people is, if they can find it, a spiritual sanctuary and a spiritual refuge, and we might call it the sanctuary of the heart. And so David knows that it's important and healing for him to seek an inner awareness of the presence of God in stillness, in prayer and worship. He knows that there is a sanctuary and a refuge that is always available to us wherever we are. Not a physical place, but a spiritual place that's just as real. And out of that place, the sanctuary of the heart, he knows, comes the light and the salvation of God that overcomes his fear. And I think Psalm 27 says this beautifully. But we can move beyond Psalm 27, I think, in describing this, though. Um, In the Christian view of this question, there's an even deeper or clearer meaning to this idea of the sanctuary of God that Jesus brings. And what Jesus teaches his disciples is that within the spiritual world of his followers, inside our hearts, in our spirits, there is a complete refuge available from the darkness and the trials of the world, including the trials of our own sin and our own weakness. So in Christ we are told there is a complete refuge. So the Apostle Paul talks about this, for instance, in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. As Paul says, If you die with Christ, that is, you identify with him through faith, then our real life, our real self, is now to be found within this hidden place, this spiritual place, the refuge with God where Christ is above. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, which raises us up with him, he says, there is a sense in which we are always resting in heaven, even as we walk about the earth. And this is, in fact, more real than the, spirit, the earthly appearances around us. And so that means that this reality can become a, a refuge for us, I think, in the same way that the temple was a refuge for David. In the depths of our heart is this hidden life with Christ. And when we enter into the inward space of that life with him, I, we can have the same confidence and peace that David had in his own refuge. And so this is a reorientation for us of our resources in the world to face difficult times. There is always a refuge available with Christ. There's a wonderful story which illustrates this idea in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. Uh, we read the story of the prophet Elisha. Now, Elisha was a very well-known man of God uh, in ancient Israel, and, but he often ended up in trouble with the king for speaking out against him. And one day the king sent a posse out to get him while uh, he was staying in a small town called Dothan. And we can read part of that story here. So it says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. The Lord opens the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so the story goes on about how they are saved from this army that's come against them, and they get the better of them. And so the point for this story is that Elisha is surrounded by his enemies, and physically things look bad, but he looks out at them from a place of peace and refuge, and he sees this heavenly reality around him, the angels of the Lord. And so I think when we look at the world, it matters a great deal from, for us from where we're looking and where we're standing in our minds when we do that. You know, life is often like that kind of nighttime journey we go through as a child. You know, we're surrounded by things that we don't understand, things that are threatening, real dangers, enemies, fears, and our own confusion and mistake. Um, and in those situations, I think Psalm 27 and Colossians 3 and others would tell us we're not advised just to look outwards and focus on the darkness, focus on the monsters and the enemies, focus what's going wrong and all the terrible things that could happen, but instead to seek the face of the Lord and his refuge in that, as Elisha did. And that's why things like worship and silence and um, prayer and time with the Lord are such huge parts of the practice of our faith. Because worship, what is it? It's a discipline of turning towards the face of the Lord and seeking the vision and awareness of his presence intentionally and with our mind. The song we just sang, Beautiful, was a great example of that. Um, and silence in prayer, for instance, it's a discipline. We sink down and rest in our hearts where the hidden life of Christ is to be found. We're seeking his face by being with him. This is a refuge and a sanctuary that we carry around inside us, the, the presence of Christ. And so I think that's the reorientation that we're offered through Christ this Advent. A complete change in the orientation of our minds with regards to hope. We prayed about hope today. What do we hope for? So as Christians, hope is no longer just about deliverance from external threats. It can be that. But it's also about a change in our inner reality, our being, so that troubles that we have only drive us closer to God and closer to his hope. Because in troubles, we have the drive, the opportunity to enter into the sanctuary of the heart and to seek refuge in God and to know through experience that our lives are hidden with Christ at the right hand of God. And it's that experience that David is speaking of when, out of when he finishes his psalm with this word of hope. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And so I think this is a very strong application for us today. Um, every day that we come, uh, and particularly perhaps during Advent, we have a chance to op opportunity to reorient ourselves towards this reality. And this is particularly what we can do as we worship together this morning, um, as you come to God in prayer throughout your day. Every time we do that, we wait for the Lord, we wait for him, this sense of refuge can become stronger. And we say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So I say to you today, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Let me pray and then we're going to continue praying and waiting for the Lord for his work in our world at the moment. So Lord, we thank you for this word today to wait for your presence. In fact, that you are already here that your refuge and your sanctuary is available for all your people. We pray that you would give us 
the key and the path to enter into that refuge today, to seek your presence and your face. And I pray that the trials and troubles of the world would no longer dismay us or turn us aside. We pray that we would rise up again in hope and move forward with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.